The Hurling Pod on OTB Sports. I know you listened to James Cahill's podcast with Will Darren Hall. They asked James who was going to win. He said Galway. Well, why do you think? Because I just really, really want him to win. <laughs> Subscribe to the GA podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now. Now, Pat Ryan will be appointed as Cork Senior Hurling Manager this evening at a meeting of the County Committee. The winner of back-to-back under-20 All-Irelands with Cork is the man chosen to replace Kieran Kingston, whose second term came to an end on Sunday. But negativity has been the watchword from Kingston's selectors since, with both Dermot O'Sullivan and Pat Mulcahy speaking out over the course of the last 24 hours. Uh, looking at the Cork landscape uh, and a week again where Cork wants to take away the limelight after two All-Ireland semi-finals is the Sunday Times, Dennis Walsh. Dennis you're very welcome back to the show as ever. Thanks, Richie. It's, it'd be nice to talk to you with some air of positivity around Cork for once. It seems we only have you on when there's an air of, I don't know, civil war or somebody sniping at somebody else yeah. uh, that we seem to speak and catch up on matters Cork. But unfortunately, that's been the way of things over the course of the last uh, 48 hours, I suppose, yeah. since Kieran stepped well, down. Obviously, look, I mean, this is a, this is a really positive appointment. Um, and Pat Ryan would have been um, involved with Kieran back in 2016 and 2017. He was involved with Kieran Kingston then. And when Kieran Kingston stood down, at the, at the end of 2017, uh, Richie, the Cork players really wanted Pat Ryan to, to take it. And at the time, it just wasn't the right time for, for Pat. And um, he stepped away. And you know, as, you, as you say, he had a great success with the Cork in the 20s. And um, he would have been, locally, he would have been seen as the best possible replacement for Kieran Kingston. Uh, but nobody really knew whether he was prepared to take it or not. So uh, that actually, you know, that really is a, a very good news story for Cork Hurling that, that Pat um, has found the time and has found, um, you know, that, he's, that he was in, in, in a position to say yes. What struck me yesterday evening when the, when the email landed in my inbox was the swiftness of it all. It's yeah. very rare in GEA terms to see somebody stepping away on the Sunday and by the Monday you have the named successor who's yeah. going to be ratified now tonight. Sure. That is a very swift process by anybody's standards. Yeah, so basically what, what, what Cork have been trying to do since, since Kevin Donovan came in as the uh, secretary, chief executive, I'm not sure exactly what his title is these days, but in, in that role uh, as Frank Murphy's successor, um, he's been trying to um, create a kind of a succession ladder for Cork teams from under 15 up. So um, I think so. The, the kind of current structure is you get involved with a Cork under 15 team, you take them up for 16, 17, 17 is, is now into county minor. So you have a team for about three years and you're, you're, you're in the system for want of a better word, but you know, you're so, you're kind of, um, you're with Cork, you're, you're with young Cork players, you're um, developing as a coach as, as you're going along. So for example, Sean Ogohalpine and uh, Kieran Fraggy Murphy, two former Cork players, are involved with an under 15 squad this year. So they're going to go through and take over the minors in a couple of years. So Pat Ryan had been around the system for years, I mean, with the Cork Twenties, with the Cork Seniors, he was trusted. He was uh, respected um, by all uh, by all all uh, stakeholders there, players, county board, the whole lot. So he's a guy that's been, you know, Cork, Cork don't want to be going out with a blank page, Richie, every couple of years. And w- w- where are we starting? Where are we looking? You know, even guys that were working with Karen last year, a guy like Noel Furlong, or the year just gone, Noel Furlong had led, Cork, had led the Cork Miners to an alert. And so, you know, Noel had, um, you know, he had proved his, his credentials, proved his potential as a young coach, been given, a, you know, a chance at the seniors. And there's no doubt that Noel will be back with, with, with a different team uh, and he'll be in the system because he's a talented young coach. And that's what Cork are trying to establish, that kind of um, a throughput of talented coaches 
who know the players and have the players' respect. Is that greeted positively among the clubs? Because obviously the clubs are used to having a say, uh, both in, in, I suppose, in any county uh, that you want to pick out, that you'll see the nominees for the position and then we'll go to a vote and uh, they'll decide the best successor from that point. Taking it out of their hands... Yeah, has, has that caused any rancor? No, and I mean that hasn't really been the case in Cork for a while. So what, what would have happened in Cork in recent years? I mean, even going back, maybe even I'm trying to think back now how far back, but I would say even going back maybe as far as even even as far as Don O'Grady. So, like, what would have happened going back the years would be that um, uh, a, a small committee would have been put in place, which he yeah. voted on by the delegates, and then that small committee goes off and finds somebody. So it was the actual, uh, I mean, uh, the kind of process that you describe, I know it does go on in some counties still, or maybe maybe lots of counties still, where clubs have the opportunity to nominate somebody and it's a bit of a free-for-all. But Cork haven't really had that system now for a while. And, I mean, that system is unwieldy and it's not at all efficient and you're unlikely a lot of the time to come up with the best candidate, I think, in, in that system. I think the system that, I think the system that Cork are, I think the system that Cork are trying to develop um, is a good system and um, that there are people who, who are, as I say, who are in the system and uh, who know the lay of the land and that the players get to know and respect. There's an element to taking the bull by the horns and just like just saying this is the way it is and this is how it's going to be for the next three yeah. years and we'll, we'll move on and uh, clearly Pat has a, has a track record with totally. a number of the squad and then can bring through elements from his under-20s from the last couple of years too. Yeah, absolutely. And like... Pat is a guy who would know the Cork scene inside out. I mean, he's incredibly loyal to his club, Sars. Would have given them unbelievable service as a player and as a coach. I mean, he, he's, Pat would be, over the years, would have trained any, like, not just senior teams in Sars, he would have trained all kinds of teams. But Pat would know the Cork scene inside out. Um, usually respected guy, usually liked guy, a guy that everyone would uh, immediately would accept knows his stuff, knows the modern game inside out, knows the kind of hurling that uh, Cork people would love to see from their team. And look, everybody has had to adapt. I mean, you can look at Kilkenny at the moment. They're playing so different to any other Cody team ever. But, you know, so everybody's had to adapt to the modern game and to, the, to all the metrics that are applied now to performance uh, in hurling. So, like, Pat wouldn't, be blind to any, Pat wouldn't be blind to any of that. But he would definitely have an innate, an innate sense of what Cork supporters would love to see in a Cork team. There's no doubt he'd have an, he'd have an appreciation of that. And, but he also knows that, like, like, like everybody else, Richie, Cork supporters, what, what they love most is winning. And, you know, uh, there, was a, there would have been a certain resistance to the way Cork played under Donald O'Grady back in 2003 until that started, until that started delivering all Ireland's and there was less resistance then, you know. So, um, yeah, look, it's, it's, uh, it's a big challenge. There's no doubt about that. But like, Pat would know exactly what's there to work with. How, what kind of surgery is requ- required on the senior squad as it is at the moment? Well, I mean, so... The under-20s that would have won the All-Irlands with Pat and the under-21s, like, they're going to be certain. I mean, three or four of them have already come through. We'll say Kieran Joyce had, had an incredible year uh, at centre-back. A guy that could have played on, on 20 for Cork again this year, he's so young. Um, you know, Shane Barrett has come through from those teams. Alan Connolly's come through from those teams. So there are three guys that Pat would have worked with already. But there's other guys who, in the next year or two, need to step up and will be given the chance, no doubt, to step up. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a certain amount of churn on the panel, I suspect, in the close season, just guys coming to coming to you know one or two guys coming to a natural end, been around an awful long time, giving incredible service. So look, that happens, and that happens in every squad every year. So, but Pat will know exactly what's there. I mean, I, I'm, I imagine one of the reasons why 
Cork were happy to to do this quickly is you know like everywhere else the Cork Championship will be starting in the next couple of weeks so uh, the Cork Championship now is a, is a really intensive round robin um, structure over a, over a period of a couple of months so that there'll be a world of matches and um, you know so there'll be a chance for guys to put their hands up no doubt but uh, I think it look it's a great appointment it's an exciting appointment and you know um, look here's a guy that's definitely going to bring a lot of optimism to, to Cork over the next, over next while. Do we know who he's going to have installed as part of his backroom team yet? No, uh, nothing has been announced yet. I mean, he's, he's worked very closely with Wayne Sherlock on the Cork 20s teams uh, in recent years. Wayne Sherlock, uh, you know, a f- former great Cork player uh, from the early 2000s and late 90s and uh, uh, Black Rock club and he would have walked with Pat. And I think people, nobody would be surprised if Wayne Sherlock was part of Pat's um, management uh, team so we'll just have to wait and see on that um, Richie but yeah um, there'll be there'll be no shortage of guys I suspect who'll yeah. be happy to work with Pat that's for sure yeah like looking back on this year it, it's like once Cork aren't in an All-Ireland semi-final you kind of tend to look back or, and think that perhaps the year wasn't favourable but like getting to a league you know getting to the, the sharp end of the league um, the Munster Championship can be a bit Rocky for anybody who doesn't necessarily win all like four or five games, um, but then again, like Cork won two of them, um, picked up a couple of good wins along the way as well. Um, th- th- there is a sense that we can over scrutinise teams and think that once they're not being successful, then that's regarded as failure. But sometimes teams are where they are, and I always get that sense. Well, I did get that sense with Cork this year is that you know maybe and probably the All Ireland final last year proved that like maybe they aren't potential All Ireland winners at the moment. But neither are they also runs. They're just a fairly yeah. serviceable team at the moment, and that kind of just has to be the way of things until they do make that next step, perhaps under Ryan. Sure, absolutely. I mean, and like you know, it, there's such a high bar. I mean, there's, well, we don't always have you know we don't always have great All champions in either football or at the moment there was a great team setting the bar as there was for many years uh, with, uh, with Brian Cody and Kilkenny. So it's a, it's it's a really high bar for any team to reach. Um, Cork have, Cork have struggled with Limerick obviously in the last couple of years they didn't before that funny enough back to 2019 they beat Limerick in the championship 2018 drew with them So, but it's the last couple of years they have struggled with Limerick struggled with the power struggled with the you know aggression perhaps and so on um, struggled to impose what they wanted to do on Limerick I mean Limerick are terrific at imposing themselves and their plan on, on other teams so look there was definitely there's huge scope there um, for improvement for sure. Like, the, I think the league final this year, Richie, was a shock that Cork weren't expecting. Uh, I think, you know, especially if you think back, like Waterford were short a couple of shorts, Austin Gleeson that night and Jimmy Barron. I think that was a game that Cork did expect to win and, like, they were well beaten on the night. And, and, and then to have your next game, Limerick, you know, Limerick who had basically taken a pass on the league and were only focusing on one date, really, as their, as their opening night in Cork. So to have those two games back-to-back was a really was a really tough uh, tough ask. I think there was I think any Cork supporter would say that the game below in Mods Park when they beat Waterford on the day when everyone thought you know most people thought that they'd be out of the championship. That performance just showed what that this group uh, you know has potential, yeah. has real potential, and not just for lovely flamboyant, flashy, uh, exuberant hurling, but for to be able to you know get into a fight and. You know, come up with a come up with a result. So there was something in that, no no doubt about it. I mean, what happened in the first quarter of an hour against Galway, Richie? That was the game. That was the winning and losing of that game. I mean, the stuff that they missed that day. You know, crazy stuff. But 
Um, you, you saw yourself. You saw as well last Sunday Rich, or last weekend, Richie. Like uh, the amount of shooting. I mean, shooting and hurling has gone through the roof in terms of the numbers. So it's all about you now efficiency, and it's all about um, you know trying to minimise minimise the crazy shots and the pot shots. And you know, Cork that day didn't do that, uh, and you pay a price as Clare did on Saturday, and as Galway did in, in in the first first quarter on Sunday. So um, I don't think anybody in Cork is under any illusions about how far Cork have to go. But equally, there is definitely you know a degree of optimism that there was a squad there that can compete. Are you surprised with the level of uh, criticism coming back from, from the likes of Pat Mulcahy and, and Dermot O'Sullivan over the course of the last 24 hours? I mean, that interview with the with the Echo, um, Pat Mulcahy was very strong in his criticism about people within Cork not supporting the team enough if they're in, say, a punditry position. Then you have yeah. The Rock tweeting to say, scrutinised to the extreme by those who wore red, stood in the line as red so yeah. they can remain relevant through various media outlets when they walk the walk, etc. Like, it... It's obviously two members of Kingston's backroom team who now find themselves not involved with the team, but clearly to a degree, there is a sense that that negativity must have found its way into the dressing room if Mulcahy and O'Sullivan are having to address it in such stark terms. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I was I was surprised to, um, to see that to see those to see those comments from from Pat Mulcahy and, and from Dermot O'Sullivan. Uh, I yeah, I mean, I suppose. It's funny, Richie. We, we keep we keep um, hearing from you know players and managers. Well, not not so much from players anymore because they hardly get, they hardly talk to us. But you know that you know we're doing our own thing. We're not listening to the outside noise. Blah blah blah. I mean, they're all human. Outside noise does get in. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, Karen Kingston would have would have remarked after the you know um, after the Clare match how you know much we we'll say the post Limerick criticism had damaged. The player, or had not damage. Damage is the wrong word, but had it undermined the players maybe after Limerick game, but between the Limerick game and the Clare game, that you know that their confidence had taken a hit, not just from the performances, but from the reaction to the performances. But in a place like Cork, Richie, where there's such passion for the for the GA teams, uh, there's such a huge following for the hurling team. You know, you know it's funny, Richie. Like thirty odd years ago, when I started off in newspapers, um, there was no social media, and you know the, the kind of stuff that might appear in the paper would occasionally be seen as being over the top or, you know. And then social media came along and people realised that what was written in newspapers all those years ago <laughs> was nothing compared to what yeah. was being said or to what appears in social media in various other places. But look, like, if, there's, if there's former... Every, every media outlet, Richie, including News Talk and everybody else, looks to former players for expertise and, and for uh, insight and for, you know, a perspective from inside the, the white lines. So when you have that... So when you have that all over the media, you know, not, not everyone's going to be happy with things that are said, you know. And uh, clearly in this case, there was raw, there was nerves struck somewhere along the line. I couldn't tell exactly who said what, Richie. Yeah, I wouldn't ask you to name names either. Like that's, that's you, don't want to, you don't want to get into a kind of a Mexican standoff with these kind of things. But like, similarly, like looking around, it did like a bit of rooting and kind of seeing what was said here and there in and around the Limerick defeat, etc. Like this criticism, yeah, but there was nothing that seemed over the top there was nothing that seemed vicious in yeah. any way you know that kind of way and sure. and that's that's what kind of struck me about the strength of Mulcahy's and O'Sullivan's comments was that like everyone's entitled to their opinion like and obviously criticism and, and sure. social media have a part to play in all that but there was nothing that stood out as being particularly like OTT 
yeah. a, a personal or anything like that, which, sure. is, which is why it kind of was surprised. And I think many people might have been surprised by the strength of those comments yesterday. Yeah, and uh, as you say, Richie, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion. But I think what I think what we'll, what we'll, get, what we'll get under the skin of a management team and maybe this is what we'll get under the skin of the court management team would be ill-informed opinion or opinion where there wasn't due diligence or research or where it would be, you know, not that, you know, with no reference to the data. I mean, all these teams now, I mean, the performance data now, Richie, is so detailed yeah. that, um, you know, people, you know, all these lads who are analysing players' performances and the players themselves who are analysing their own performances and are having their, their performance. It's so, it's so, it's so tied to the data and so tied to what targets they were hoping to meet. So there's all that stuff going on on a different level to maybe some of the commentary. And maybe some of the commentary is um, just superficial uh, along the way. And maybe that's, maybe that's what kind of caught them. I saw one reference in the Pat McCahey quotes to uh, a commentator who he didn't name had been following the game, a game on social media on a plane, he said, and then uh, went ahead and spoke about it, even though he hadn't seen it. That was what he said in, in his comments. Now that's, that's not right. I mean, that clearly is not right if that went on. And he didn't name who it was, and I, and I don't know who it was. But I'd say, Richie, I'd say people who are involved with teams, if they listen to, an, to a lot of commentary, they will hear a lot of commentary, I suspect, that just reflects a lack of research mm. or a lack of due diligence or just not doing the legwork. And that's the kind of stuff that I suspect would really annoy any management team. The funny thing is, we've actually got Dermot O'Sullivan on OTBM tomorrow morning, so we'll be able to get a little bit more insight from him as regards what it was that really uh, essentially got under his skin. Mm. Um, but it is a three-year term for Pat Ryan. You would hope that there is... Uh, I don't want to accuse uh, the two lads of being of being thin-skinned, but you do need, if you're going into inter-county management, no matter who you are at this stage, you need a mightily thick skin or just to be able to switch off completely from that kind of stuff. Oh, Richie. Switching off is the thing. No doubt about that. No question about it. I mean, what value is there in it? What value is there in it from... I mean, uh, when they say that there isn't outside noise, I really hope they don't because there is just no value in it. I mean, uh, what is the point? What is the point? Like, um, I remember working years ago with Donico Callan on his book and he showed me... The perform- he showed me a printout of his performance data from the analyst. And I was, this was 12 years ago. So I was blow, absolutely blown away by the level of detail and the things they were looking for and the things that he was supposed to be doing and that, he, uh, that either he was or he wasn't. And I remember thinking, there's no way any uh, analysis of that match in the media would have come close to the kind of analysis that Dunneker had been exposed to for his performance. And uh, like, uh, I've no doubt that... Um, I mean, there was, a, there was terrific analysis going on now uh, in various places. I was watching the Sunday game on Sunday night and uh, I thought Donald did some terrific stuff um, on, the, on the games uh, on the big screen. But that's not universal, Richie. And uh, for the people who are involved with teams who need to get really down into the weeds of performances and performance analysis, what are they to gain from listening to outside noise? Nothing. And it becomes a vicious circle as well because everything is so instant. Like a tweet is obviously 140 characters or whatever it is and people will pick up the, the, the most sensational of those and similarly punditry, be it on radio or TV, like you're talking about working within ads and within a you know, 10, 15 minute framework if it's halftime, full time. So you've got about six, seven minute bursts. So you're only really doing surface stuff there. So the kind of surface stuff and um, the nastier stuff can take hold 
better than any kind of deep analysis would ever do because there, there's no room for the deep analysis and we'd, like, we'd be hemmed in by the same stuff ourselves, you know? Sure, sure. No, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I'm not on social media myself, Richie, and I don't miss it. And I, I know there's loads of good stuff on it and but equally, you kind of have to take the good with the bad, I believe, if, if you're going to be on social media. So, <laughs> oh boy, do you? And uh, so, look, that's the, that's the trade-off there. So, um, but honestly, for people who are involved in teams and so immersed in it, they know the picture. Like, they have the picture. They have a clearer picture than anybody outside looking in. So they know exactly what, what targets they're trying to hit, what things they're trying to do, and they know exactly whether it happened or not. So, um, you know, and if you're explaining, you're losing. Mm. So, like, they, they can't come. You know, in, in these post-match sound bites, they're not going to be, you know, throwing data at you, trying to explain what the hell happened out in the pitch. You know, people will make, will make up their own minds and people will listen or they won't listen, but... Um, the guys who are trying to get performances need to go through a, a pretty rigorous process t- to get there, and uh, um, that that doesn't always that, that wouldn't always be reflected in the commentary. Yeah, and the, the the track record, I guess, of of Pat Ryan over the last four or five years would suggest that that rigorous process is going to continue on with Cork. And like the 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 the, the watchword that came in on it was negativity, but it seems to be a very positive oh. uh, atmosphere that he's going to bring to the camp, and the fact that he's got this track record behind him, and there are the raw materials there for Cork, and there always will be. Because because Cork is Cork, uh, to get competing at the top, top, top level yeah. uh, pretty soon. Well, Richie, Cork is Cork has been poisoned for, the, 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 and, and, you know, I mean, that phrase has been there for as long as time <laughs> around, and like, it just doesn't cut anything, it doesn't cut any ice whatsoever. I mean, um, they spent a long time, you know, trusting in, 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 in voodoo and old systems and, you know, you know, we'll be all right, they'll come through from here, there and everywhere and they weren't coming through from anywhere and it wasn't until they got down and put a bloody good process in place for um, developing underage talent that they're even, they even got to the start line. So we'll say Cork would have been a good few years behind Limerick in terms of doing the right thing with development squads. For the last six, seven years, maybe a bit more, that right thing has been done. But that right thing only gets it to the start line. Yeah. And Cork now have, a, have we'll say Shane, Kingston gener- Shane Kingston's generation would have come through uh, a development system that was really good. But they were the first crowd, really. And so it's going to take, a, you know, it's going to take, a, you know, it won't happen just with, with one wave of talent or maybe two waves of talent. Uh, last year's minor team were exceptional, but minor now was under 17, you know, so those guys are going to take a while. Um, but Pat Ryan would, Honestly, Richie, in terms of his feel, in terms of his feel for the game, in terms of his personality, in terms of his ability to get a team playing, like he would have all the attributes for this for, for this job, and he he would know exactly how big the challenge is, and he would know exactly what he has to work with, and you know he's he knows what he's taken on here, and I hope you know like any court manager or like any intercounty manager, Richie, I hope people appreciate what these guys are prepared to do, you know. And as a complete amateur, as a complete amateur, there's no two ways about it. Mm. Dennis, absolute pleasure as always. You're, you're welcome. Thank Thanks you. for your time.